This episode of the Duck Gun Podcast proudly brought to you by Gunner Kennels. Gunner Kennels, the market's only double-walled, roto-molded dog crate, and a five-star crash test-rated kennel. These American-made boxes come with a lifetime warranty, and the guys over at Gunner Kennels have done some crazy testing just to show how strong they really are, like dropping 4,000 pounds on it, hammering it with a 630-pound sled, tossing it off a 200-foot cliff, and shooting it with a 12-gauge at seven paces with no pellet penetration. You're hitting the road with your dog this season. Gunner Kennels is your safest bet. Protect your best friend and protect your investment. Hey guys, I'm Jordan Fromer. I believe in hunting hard, hunting smart, and having a fun time while doing it. And shooting limits? Well, that's just the icing on the cake. I revel in the journey just as much as the successes it brings. From ducks to dogs to decoys and guns, we'll be talking tactics, strategies, and what it takes to get the job done. Load up and take aim. This is the Duck Gun Podcast. What's going on, folks? Thanks for joining me on another episode of the Duck Gun Podcast. On this weekly hunt update, Elliot and I talk about goose hunting on ice selfs and rivers and honestly a lot of things that went wrong and some things that went all right. So now for a quick word from our partners and we'll jump right into the podcast. Hey guys, Tim from HTR here. If you really want to get your group up front and in the action, Check out our new HTR A-Frame. Hunt anywhere, concealed. It sets up and takes down in less time than it takes to put your waders on. We've developed our own camo patterns for a better hide, with more designs coming. We have you covered from the sides and the top. Oh, and did I mention, our A-Frame is only 10 pieces out of the box? Check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and on htrinnovations.com. Hey guys, another great company that we've partnered with is Sportsman Taxidermy. And we had Corey on the podcast not too long ago, so jump back, check that one out. Really great content there. Um, But they do everything from waterfowl, deers, turkey, and they've even done a lion at the shop. It's award-winning taxidermy, and they're out of Belton, Missouri. Um, You can reach them at 816-331-5171 or email at taxidermy at outlook.com. And did I mention... If you're not in the area, they also do shipping, so that's great. Be sure to check them out, guys. We'd like to give a big thanks to our partners over at White Rock Decoys. Be a nomad and get out further with more decoys with their lightweight system of windsocks, silhouettes, and fully collapsible floater decoys. We'd also like to give a big thanks to our partners over at Bailey's Game Calls. These 3D printed plastic calls are made in America, highly customizable and floating. They also have a patent pending on the density of their calls, which allows them to mimic wood and acrylic calls. Be sure to check out Bailey's Game Calls for your next duck or goose call. Uh, There's a couple things in the news I want to hit up before we get right into our hunt updates. Okay. So, um, first thing is that it's official, the Atlantic Flyway. They have reduced the the mallard limit um, next year to two mallards, um, and only one of which can be a hen. So, um, and and their hunting season is reduced. I think I think I believe it said thirty days. Ooh. So, so they're getting uh kind of hit over there, and I, and I think it's just due to the lack of population of of birds and trying to help out with that. But I feel somewhat sorry for the folks that live over in that part of the country so like does that include because the sea duck hunters um 
They, I mean, they only get a 30 day season too. I believe so. I mean, I, I guess the way I read it, that's the, that's the way I understood it. Um, I could be incorrect. And if you're in those flyways, I would double check. But when I read it, you know, that I read it as the season was being reduced and the mallard limit was being cut in half as well. Man, because if I was a sea duck hunter, because I don't think they have any population problems on sea ducks that I've heard of. Uh, yeah, I don't think if, so. If I was a sea duck hunter and they cut my season to 30 days because the mallards, I would be a little bit livid. <laughs> how can you how can you be a little bit livid <laughs> yeah that's you can't be i'd be, I'd be pissed <laughs> yeah either you're livid or you're not i think but, true you can't be yeah. a little bit <laughs> yeah i would i would be mad do you, so i i have not followed I, I knew that like um i did a video about the pintails last year and why their numbers are low and everything and um i actually meant to do a similar video on scop and the black duck i guess i never realized before this year that they were having issues with the mallards out there yeah i mean i think it's just one it's population like you think about all the way over to washington state uh their limit over there washington wyoming utah uh their, their limit for mallards is seven per person and you kind of go across the state you know i know nebraska and kansas your your limit for mallards is five then you get over towards um you know indiana and michigan and and those states, your mallard limit is four, and then you get to the Atlantic Flyway, and now it's going to be two. So um, I think it's pretty similar if you look at kind of the population of the country. Um, it's just, you know, overpopulation of people, and it, it takes away from habitat. And I think the main um, the main issue is nesting grounds, but it's also something that uh, when I read the article, they didn't really have a set kind of answer as to why they thought there was such a big struggle with um um the number of mallards and so it's just trying to help out with that um to reduce the number that that are being harvested but you talk to a lot of people i see in the comments when this stuff gets posted in the forums and people in like south carolina and, and we just talked to john that um hunted with us in kansas and he's only shot what two or two mallards three mallards in his mm -hmm. life and one of which was like a farm duck um <laughs> And so, and other people have said, I, I haven't shot one in 10 years or I've never shot a mallard. And that's some of the, some of the, the comments I'm reading under this section. So I, I think that it's, you know, it's a real, you know, real thing that they don't have mallards, but you know, I kind of think it's crazy to, to chop the season down, um, reduce the number of days because you can still hunt wood ducks. There's no problem with population there and all that kind of stuff. So I'm not sure exactly why. Um, I know for myself, I, I'd be pretty, uh, you know, sad to see the season reduced by that much. Well, here's, here's what doesn't make sense to me. So all of the modern day biologists are saying, doesn't matter how many hens you kill, doesn't affect the population. That hunter kill numbers just really doesn't make a difference. Then on the other hand, they turn around and they each year will decide how many you can harvest based on the population size. And I would love to have someone explain to me how, how does both of those ideas together make sense? If hunter, if hunter kill numbers don't affect population size, then taking it down to two and cutting it 30 days isn't going to help. So it's, it, to me, it's unless there's something I'm missing in, the, in, the, in those two thoughts, it's one or the other. Either, either you can affect population by kill numbers or you can't. Yeah. Hmm. 
yeah, I guess if they just have an issue, maybe they're just trying something. You know, they tried it um, with Pintel limits across the board and went to one. Uh, not this season, but the season before. And then they popped it back up to two. So maybe this isn't going to be something that's permanent. Maybe it is. I don't know. But Well, um, they popped it back up to two because the population. They they do the, the number that you can shoot is based off the previous season numbers. So when it was one, two years ago, we saw just pintails everywhere because the, the population was actually up, but they weren't basing their um, um, bag limits off the numbers of that current season. It's the season prior. So um, this, I guess that lad that year, there were so many, there was actually like a plus 6% in pintails. So it went, um, but it went down to one because the year before it was lower. So then this last off season, the pintail numbers dropped, but the bag number went up because they were using the har- the um, nesting numbers from the previous year. So it's like, oh, it just seems crazy to me. Yeah, yeah. So I'm I've, sure they got their reasons. They've done their studies. And I guess whether we like it or not, it's happening. <laughs> so I we'll, see. we'll someone, see what the future holds for that. I wonder if there'd be some game manager or someone out from that flyway that could come on and talk to us. That would be really interesting i know we're planning on having the shine hopefully the shine bottoms manager on again and certainly we can get his thoughts and opinion on it but getting someone or someone even like a, from a du chapter out there i mean that would be really interesting yeah yeah if anybody uh in those kind of situations um listen to the podcast reach out to us or if you know of somebody have them reach out to us and we'll get them on here to talk about it so uh the other kind of story kind of a cool story uh from hunting news well i, I guess not necessarily hunting news, but wildlife news. Um, just this week, there was a, a hiker in Colorado that was attacked by a mountain lion. And um, he survived and choked out the lion. Really? <laughs> yeah, with his bare hands. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I'd like to see the arms on that guy. Yeah, I know. That's crazy. <laughs> he killed it? Uh, yeah, he killed it. He killed the mountain lion in self-defense. <laughs> For all the animal <laughs> activists out there, self-defense. He was being attacked. He was the story read word for word. He was bit in the face <laughs> by the mountain lion before he, uh, you know, he choked it out. <laughs> That's a stud. Yeah. So that guy, uh, they said he had um, serious injuries, uh, lacerations, and cuts to the face, arms, and back from the mountain lion. But he survived. He choked it out and killed the lion. <laughs> just for the record i do not think i could choke out a mountain lion i don't either i was uh actually <laughs> having this discussion with uh hunter one of my um co-workers today and um he was you know we're, we're looking at the pictures like yeah there's just no way it's like crazy you know these mountain lions are huge like trying to estimate the weight we could have probably just like wiki wikipedia uh-huh. searched the weight but we're just looking at pictures man those things are giant and it's just crazy that this guy, you know, had the will to survive and and push through that and choke out a mountain lion while it's, you know, tearing at him with his claws and teeth and biting his face. And so, <laughs> so yeah, they said he has serious serious injuries, but he's uh, gonna have a full recovery. I can't remember your uh, boss's name. What's his name again? Tim. Tim. I think he could choke one out. <laughs> Probably with one hand. <laughs> just grab it. <laughs> he's got massive arms. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, he works in like the pump industry like uh irrigation wells and all that that's kind of where his business started um 
And when you do that, you got to turn like some, I mean, you literally turn like 12 inch pipes like by hand. <laughs> wow. So, I mean, you use tools. I shouldn't say just by hand, but uh, there's a lot of muscle that goes into that kind of work. Uh-huh. <laughs> so you yeah. can tell from him. I, yeah, I feel pretty pretty confident he could choke one out. We just, <laughs> um, so do you have mountain lions in Indiana? Um, Not very many. Okay, but a few wanderers? Yep. Yeah, that that's what we have as well. In fact, when I was growing up, the state denied they were around. And, you know, most farmers you would talk to would say, oh, yeah, well, I know we've got one because I've seen them. And farmers aren't the type of people that are going to really misidentify. I mean, they're out there all the time. They know what they're looking at. But um, so we know that they're in the state and um, someone just killed one. They found one out dead somewhere that someone had shot. It was massive on this side of the state just recently. Oh, wow. So they're they are certainly certainly huge huge animals yeah and and they roam a lot too so they can go yeah. great distances and that, that's what the state once the state started admitting they were here it was like well we don't have any breeders but we just have um ones that are wandering through and which i i doubt that's accurate as many farmers as i personally have talked to that have seen them so but i it, i wish i could see one it'd be cool i mean we've got tons and tons of bobcats and i've only seen one in my life their cats are just so sly. Yeah, for sure. And one other thing I want to hit up before um, we jump into the updates. I know one thing we started doing last week is kind of talking about certain comments we get on videos. And so not completely all negative, but we did have somebody leave uh, a rating review um, comment, whatever you want to call it on the podcast and I wanted to mention that one so got it right here and one of the things the guy mentions in this is he says um, <laughs> last but not least whoever is snoring in the background makes it hard to hear at times but I love the hunt hunting shows so i just want to let you know that the person snoring is my dog chief and <laughs> and apparently he's getting picked up on the mic sometimes so sorry you had to deal with that if you're i'm sure you're still listening here but uh you know chief's not going anywhere i can't help that sometimes he snores maybe i'll have to do something with my mic settings but at this point i guess i wasn't aware that my mic was picking up chief snoring every once in a while. <laughs> I had never, I had never heard that. I've never heard it. What I did hear last night on the phone with you though, is what a noise with that. I thought was a motorcycle driving by <laughs> very loudly. I, I imagine it in my head. I was like, is he outside? Cause that's a motorcycle flying by. <laughs> You're like chief. <laughs> like, that's your dog. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I've never noticed it uh, while I'm talking to you. Or maybe if I just naturally do. And I know chief is back there. I don't think he's like yeah, you're just like, oh, that's a dog. But if you're yeah. just listening to the podcast, you don't know that uh, uh, some of the time I have Chief set up on screen with me. He's not right now because his mow marsh is, you know, all dirty and out in the garage. But off season, I'll probably have him back out here on cam with me, right beside me. So I'll figure out something for the mic. But until then, you're probably gonna hear a little bit of snoring. Just know it's not me or Elliot being bored <laughs> by our own stories or anything like that. So it's it's Chief, good old Chief, just sitting back there taking a snooze <laughs> i hadn't seen that comment <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i check it frequently just out of curiosity what people are saying so if you guys listen right now go hop over give us a rating and leave a comment always fun to read fun to see the feedback 
Yeah. If you say something interesting enough, um, maybe we'll review it next week as well. Yeah. So <laughs> now was that on iTunes? That you yeah, saw that's that? on, that was on iTunes. So okay. just make sure it has a five star next to it. Just kidding. Yeah. You can, you can put your honest <laughs> opinion on there, but we do appreciate the five stars from you guys. Yep. All right. So let's jump into the hunt updates. You got anything this week, Elliot? Well, I did not go out last weekend. Um, I was b- going to have to go out by myself and the only viable spot was the river. And I just didn't want to go out there blind and run the river by myself. Uh, and so I just, I just stayed home. But as we were talking about previously, um, we've got this ice storm coming and so school's canceled tomorrow. And so hopefully I'm going to do an afternoon hunt with corn at his pond. Last time he was, he, he went and actually scouted it. Um, this, I think, yeah, this Monday, he said it is loaded with ducks, ducks everywhere, which we can't shoot them, but ducks everywhere and a bunch of geese too. So, and I think it'll probably freeze tomorrow night. So uh, we were thinking about trying to get on it this weekend, but I was worried it was going to be frozen. So if we can get on that tomorrow afternoon, um, I'll have something to talk about next weekend. And that will probably be, that that will be my last um regular season waterfowl hunt i hope to go on at least one snow goose hunt maybe two um but i certainly wanted to go and get on get one more dark goose hunt in so hopefully tomorrow afternoon we can get into them awesome yeah i'll have uh one weekend as well for geese late season geese uh hopefully getting them on on them saturday uh i doubt i will anytime in between then and now um because that's the only place i know of where I can get them. So Saturday, maybe Sunday afternoon as well. That'll be the plan. Going to try to scout out for both those, but I do have some hunts to talk about. Um, so kind of jumping back to, if you've been following along or anything like that with the stories we've been, that I've been telling about my goose hunting season hasn't been going the greatest. Um, and honestly, I've been hitting up the same kind of area, the same stretch of river that goes back into these creeks and pools and there's just geese load up there late season and I can't figure out how to hunt them just right. And it's something that I'm going to learn. And then after that, I'm just going to be smacking limits because there's just so many birds back there that I'm not going to give up on it. But, uh, so same thing. I go out there and scout and I go, go to this farm and I can, he's either got this lane that goes through the woods or lane that kind of cuts over to this field and everything's frozen. I mean, everything we're coming right off of the, the polar vortex. So everything had been frozen. This is the Friday after that. So it's, you know, it's not cold. I mean, it's cold, but it's not, you know, it's not negative 20, you know, negative 50 wind chill cold. Um, so go out there and scout trying to find a goose hunt for me and my dad. And so sure enough, I'm sitting up in the field and just kind of scouting down, you know, looking through my knocks, uh, doing some windshield time and looking down into the river and, and I can see some geese in there, um, for sure. And just trying to take a different approach. Cause I, with all that cold weather, I'd figured kind of the creeks and the pools had completely froze and even the river had froze for the majority. So I knew we had some birds in there. Um, so now it's all about, you know, trying to get in there and getting on some birds. So, you know, I decided to go for it. Um, and it's just me and my dad going out there. So, um, we're going out the next morning. We decided to go just because I'm not necessarily familiar with that area. We're going to wait till daylight to walk in. Um, cause we don't know how the ice shelves are going to be. We don't know how sturdy they're going to be, all that kind of stuff. So I don't want to do it in the dark. So we go out there. Um, I think we decided about nine o'clock we went out there and 
just tons of geese. I mean, tons and tons of geese. Just, um, we could see them through the trees. We didn't know how many, but we knew there was a lot. So we decided we're going to try to press around and kind of circle around this pool and come in from one side of it. And, you know, we walk up there and just flock after flock after flock. And we probably pushed out, I don't know, 1,500 geese out of this hole. So, you know, at first we didn't want to push them out. We kind of wanted to wait for them. But when we inched closer, we're just kind of getting, trying to get somewhere we could just see them. And when we inched closer, you know, kept walking closer, late season, these geese are super wary. So it didn't take much and they busted out of there um, and just flew away. And like I said, it was just geese flying everywhere and so we get in there and set up um and pretty much the river the river is froze it's at one end of this pool it's completely closed off at the other side of it um we're talking like five ten feet wide in the middle um that hadn't froze where the current was still pushing through so we had this i mean it's a pretty big hole in there um so we set up on there (laughs) i didn't come prepared we had um the white rock silhouettes i should have had like shells or full bodies or something because or or a drill or a hammer i didn't have any way to get these decoys in the ice so i ended up kind of having just like a pathetic kind of set where i had silhouettes that were sitting in the snow i just stick them down in the snow or um i'd like lean them against a stick or something like that so i had about a dozen that could get sitting up um, right in front of us and so we get set up but after we push these up literally we're trying to set them up and we still have birds kind of circling around and trying to come in and looking at us and giving us a good look so um, we get all set up ready to hunt and we have some birds come in and they're flaring they're not really finishing um, we had a couple groups that worked probably in about 45 yards 40 yards maybe and we didn't take the shot and so i'm like i I think that i'm not hidden well enough my dad was sitting on a log with a bunch of brush right next to him he he looked pretty hidden and that was the only brush that close up um and it was hard you know just with the ice shelf pushing out there to get too close to to the edge of the water so i ended up pushing back into the trees a little bit to kind of give um give us some better cover that way I was hidden as well so then the next group that worked in they came um you know about 40 yards and you know I called a shot and he shot and missed and maybe maybe it was a little too far but um missed on those and then we had um a single come through there and I missed on that (laughs) it was another passing shot I mean it was a shot that I hit you know nine times out of ten but for whatever reason I missed it shot twice missed that one so it wasn't, you know, having the, the best start, but um, kind of one thing that was interesting about it is, you know, swans don't get hunted where we're at, so they, they almost seem dumb. I mean, they're not, but they're just not scared of people. So they were just sitting, literally just sitting um, 100 yards from us on the ice and just sitting there, just chilling. <laughs> and there was a goose with them too, and that was actually the single that picked up and flew over top of us. <laughs> and... uh Chief was getting antsy and he was charging towards the swans and I had to call him back. I'm like, Chief, come back here. We, we can't, we can't hunt those. He, he's like, come on, man. We got birds right here. What are we doing? <laughs> and they're sitting there on the ice. And so, um, <laughs> yeah, eventually they flew off. It's pretty cool. We had them fly right in front of us, all, all of 15 of them or whatever. That's just an estimate. But, um, yeah, so then we get, we get back set up and we're, we're waiting for the geese to come and we have a pair come in there 
and uh, they cupped right in perfect. But the problem with it was dad was sitting on the log, they cupped in front of him, and I was sitting back in the trees, and they almost fun- they finished kind of to the, the right of him, and I was to the left of him. So I would have had to shoot almost right over his shoulder, and I'm probably like 10 yards at a 45-degree angle from him back. So I just had no shot at them at all. But they cupped right in front of us, and dad popped one. He took two shots and popped one. That was actually his first goose he's ever shot, so it was pretty oh, cool. Oh, sweet. Yeah, and especially to get them, you know, it seems all too common that you have passing shots, but to have one that decoys all the way in, you know, cupped up, and that be your first goose, and he, like, you know, stone cold folded it, and, you know, I go running over there, I'm pumped, and Chief goes running over there, and it lands on the other side of the ice, and Chief swims across the ice, and I was super pumped because, like I said, he's struggled with the ice in the past, but he jumps right in there, grabs the goose off the ice, and then... um he starts swimming back with it, and the current is pushing through there pretty fast um, in this spot, and he gets over to our ice shelf with the goose in his mouth, and he tries to get on the ice shelf, and he can't get back on, mm-hmm. so I'm like, oh, no, what am I going to do? Like, you know, I, I think it gets more shallow down here, and it does, but it doesn't get, like, dog shallow, <laughs> Yeah. and I don't know exactly where it's at, so um, we do a little bit of struggling. We're going up and down the ice, ice uh shelf right there and I'm standing on it and when I get close to the edge it starts popping and cracking and I can't get out on the edge and he can't jump back on I can't help him at all and so he struggles and he's fighting the current and he'd get his front paws on there and the current would push him back so unfortunately he never could get back on with the the goose in his mouth and he tried and he tried and he was a trooper you know really wanted to get back on there and I was impressed with him holding on to it and kept trying but it ended up trying to get up there and the goose would get stuck between the ice and his chest and i've never you know done done goose like this with the ice shelves and having the dog retrieve and if it's a duck chief jumps right back up but a goose he couldn't do it so um, i'm not sure you know if it's just the current and the weight of the goose and all that kind of combined but he couldn't get up there and eventually his chest pushed the goose under the ice and we lost it so oh wow (laughs) yeah so my dad was a little disappointed you know anticlimactic for sure um, get your first goose and we couldn't retrieve it. So do you have all that on video? I, I do. Yeah. You gotta make a video of that. There's yeah, I'll probably add it. Um, I got so much kind of like unsuccessful or just like really minimal action goose hunts that I'm probably going to make just a combo late season goose hunt video. That's going to combine uh-huh. the days and that'll be yeah. in there. So, yeah. So after so you that, couldn't, you couldn't break through the ice and get out there yourself to him. It was well, when you're out on the ice, you're literally in the middle of the river. Yeah, it's scary because because it's froze so much mm-hmm. um, that when I was out there, I'm I'm standing in the in the middle of the river when I'm trying to get Chief back up there. I mean, everything's yeah. froze. Like you know, if I go 200 yards down, the river's completely froze. If I go, okay. you know, 50 yards up, it's just that five foot section that's open, and it's deep in there. Um, like over my waders deep. And so, <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll get to that a little bit later. So um, we set back up, and we have another pair come in, and we shoot one. We, we split it. We shoot one. Excuse me. I need to cough. <coughs> Anyways, probably won't edit that out. You guys will have to deal, deal with that just like Chief snoring. But <laughs> um, have another pair come in. And we actually were talking about 
we busted all those geese back. We're like, when are they going to come back? They're probably going to come back right before evening. Um, so let's wait till one and then we'll go get some food, leave everything out here. We didn't have any food with us. We didn't, uh, plan ahead and bring any chef boyardee or campfire making equipment. <laughs> so we had to, you know, go actually get some food cause we're getting hungry. Um, and then, you know, our plan was to come back in and hunt for the next four hours. So we're going to wait till one and we have another pair come in. It's like 1255. And this group, this pair comes in and we split the, split the, the one that got the closest to us. Um, and he hops up, his last dying move was to hop up on the ice shelf on the other side. So, oh my gosh. And so, um, you know, again, sin chief, but, uh, unfortunately chief was, he wouldn't jump in again after he couldn't get back on. I don't know if he got scared. So it felt like we took steps backwards and I was pretty disappointed. And at the time, honestly, I was a little like upset with him, but like looking back, I'm not as upset, but it's still, it's an issue I need to get sorted out. And I don't, it's like we took step back steps backwards when he had the failed attempts getting back on. He's like, well, I'm not jumping in there again. I can't get back up. Yeah. So yeah, unfortunate, really frustrating as a hunter, a dog owner, um, you know, and so we got this other goose on the other side. There's no way to get there. We can't, we're, we're trying to figure out like, how do we get this? Um, you know, if we push the canoe in, we can, we can probably get the canoe on the ice and into the water. But once I get it back to the ice, how do you get out of the canoe onto the ice without breaking the ice? Cause you're just going to step on the edge and break the ice and fall in. So how did Chief get back on the ice without being able to touch the ground at all? Was he able to crawl on it? He was able to pull himself up, yeah. But he could—he oh, can man. do that with a duck, but he can't do it with a goose in his mouth. So there's a lot of dogs that cannot pull themselves up on ice. Hmm. Most most dogs that I have known, out of all of our dogs, my dad's had three, I've had two. Only one of those dogs was able to pull themselves up on ice. Hmm. So you're lucky he can do that. Mm. Yeah, uh, yeah. It was a, even then it was a struggle. So, honestly, that's part of my inexperience with that condition. Um, but it, I mean, turns out he can climb back up on the ice. Because in that situation, if Izzy were to do that, I'd have there'd be no way of getting her. There, she can't crawl back up on the ice. Mm. Hmm. Not without but, touching the ground. Even with touching the ground, if it's like if it's not real shallow, she still can't do it. So I wonder if it's. Chief's got experience. Yeah, he's a he can jump out of the water. He's not a jumper like jumping in like crazy, but I mean he's got enough experience kind of swimming up to my canoe and he I don't know how he does it, but he just kind of lunges out of the water and into the canoe. And I've had him do that with ducks in his mouth. I I roll up to him and he's got a duck in his mouth and he kind of hops right out of the water into the canoe and you know front legs and then back legs follow when he's right up in there. Even without being able to touch his back legs on the ground. Yep. Wow, that's rare. Because <laughs> if he can't pull himself on ice, you could have been in a really bad situation. I guess, yeah. I did think about that afterwards. So, mm. yeah, scary to think about. So, yeah, for sure. So we we couldn't get this other goose. He didn't want to go across and get it. Maybe you know, good for him not to in that kind of situation. Um, but and we couldn't get the canoe. So my idea, I, I told my dad, I'm like, I'm just gonna swim across. <laughs> And so I'm just going to take my waders off, jump in the in the river and swim across, grab the goose off the ice and swim back. What was the temperature? Um it was like I mean it was it felt pretty warm compared to like other days. It was like 
mid thirties. <laughs> oh man. And so <laughs> my dad's like, I don't think that's a good idea. I don't think that's <laughs> a good idea. And I kept Probably like pushing for it and trying. I'm like, I mean, cause there's no other way we could retrieve it. And so I'm like, well, if we can't retrieve our geese, there's no point in us hunting. Yeah. And, and so we kind of agreed at that. And we're like, well, that kind of stinks. We're going to have all these geese pile back in here, but we can't really get them because we can't get a boat out onto the ice. So we just ended up not being able to hunt. And the thing is, I know it's shallow enough in there at some point because I've done dog work out there in the summer. But, you know, when it gets to winter and your landmarks aren't the best and, and all that kind of stuff, I didn't know what parts I could touch in or not. So if I just jump in, and just hope that it's still shallow there. And I don't no, know. Yeah. It's it, once ice gets on a river like that, even if you feel like you really, really know it, you get over on ice. It's scary. It's yep. scary. And you may not know uh, how, how far was the ice shelf to the open water? How, like how far in was Distance it? Wise, yeah. I mean, we had spots where it kind of narrowed down that it was, um, it was only, you know, maybe, I don't know, 30 feet from the edge. And then we had spots where it was like a hundred yards to the edge from the ice. Did you ever see the video I did called chopping ice? It's a couple years ago where Aiden brought his ax and we chopped all the way out to the open water. Mm -hmm. That'd yep. be the 30 yards. That'd be the way to do it. You just chop, chop a, a lane so that you can test the watt, test the level. Cause you don't want to go on the ice shelf and drop into a hole like that. There's no way. That's just stupid. But if you chop a, a little lane, you can feel the depth all the way out to where it's open. Yep. and and get it from there and then your dog has a lane to come back through as well mm -hmm. so yeah that's I'd idea say that'd be well. the way to do it it sounds like of course a lot we of have aiden too, with though. us who's like <laughs> yeah. well yeah but aiden is like fit cross-country runner and he did like 80 percent of the chopping and then corn and i did each 10 percent. <laughs> yeah yeah that's an idea as well i know the only problem so yeah that's the end of that huh? we decided that um you know couldn't get the geese and so, honestly, it was a failure. I mean, it was decent. I mean, as far as, like, working the birds in and my dad getting his first goose. But as far as being able to retrieve the geese, you know, at that point, we just had to stop, even though it seemed like it was going to be a good hunt. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, it was unfortunate, you know, but that's just the way it goes. Yeah. So, fast forward to today, actually, and... Or yesterday, and me and Hunter went and, and scouted that same spot, um, went out there kind of first thing in the morning. It's like 8.30. We're just seeing geese pouring in there and geese all over the place and flying everywhere and going out to feed and coming in there to loaf and decoying in there and other, or not decoying, but, you know, cupping in there and other birds flying out. And so we're like, man, this is money. Let's hit, hit this up tomorrow. So that's our plan. And that's today. So we go out there. <clears throat> again set up the ice shelves have greatly diminished because it's been warmer um it's been like 40s we had a bunch of rain but there's still ice shelves you know we, so we go out there set up some shells put in some uh some floaters and set up and literally it's like first first thing we have some birds come right over top of us and um you know first shot i bust one and since he's going out to retrieve it and again i have another one come another pair come right over me i'm literally like standing in the water and these come right over super low and i take one shot and pop it and so chief's going out there to retrieve the one that's dead and it's floating down the river and uh then the next goose lands in the water next to him and he turns around from the dead one and starts going towards this other one this one's crippled and then um <laughs> we have another pair come in 
and me and Hunter bust both those um, as well. So now we got four geese down, and honestly, it was a lack of foresight in that situation because um, it was it was really hard to retrieve the geese with the current and all that kind of stuff. So I'm out there, and Chief's just chasing this cripple around in the river, and we got other geese floating away. And so it's like, man, if they're dead and we could get them and get him back, then we could have retrieved the other ones as well. So we have three dead on the water, and we have that cripple. So he catches the first cripple, and he brings it back. And we have another one. Then I go up over there to grab it. And I'm trudging through the water because I can get in it now that there's not ice. Um, and it's about, you know, three inches from the top of my wader. So I don't have much room to <laughs> spare. And oh, I get man. right over to this goose. And I go to pick him up. I, like, I stick my hand and in his face. And he literally, like, is knocked out and he comes back too. <laughs> and so he literally, he, like, he like rears his head back and spreads his wings and like you know makes <laughs> makes that noise and starts hissing at me and <laughs> scared, oh, the, scared the crap out of me i thought i was about to get thrashed by this goose and so um it all happened in such a hurry i didn't grab any other shell so here i have my gun with no ammo this goose comes back to life um right there in front of me <laughs> like i i was literally like inches away from grabbing his neck and it came like back to full life oh, <laughs> it was so oh weird <laughs> and, uh so anyways that one goes swimming off the only one we got was the one that chief had in his mouth so the other ones are going down the river so we decide oh. like what are we gonna do like we didn't we didn't bring a boat and it's kind of like hindsight hindsight's 2020 like if we just would have shot the one if you just would have got the dead one first and then came back and we would have been able to shoot the cripple instead of it being like inches in front of his face you know, he's just chasing this one. It's, you know, doing all the normal maneuvers crippled ones do, doing diving and coming back up and swimming around, and he's just chasing it. Um, so, honestly, I probably should have stopped at one or two geese shot down. But hindsight's twenty twenty, so unfortunate. Um, so we decide to pack up, and we go back to Hunter's house and grab his boat and go down to a launch that's um, further down from this farm and go boating through there trying to find <laughs> our geese so one of them that was the one that i almost grabbed was so lively that you know it hopped up on the ice shelf across from us and was just gone so we're never going to find that one um but it, it's it's dead for sure i mean unfortunate but i mean it was crippled enough that you know a coyote or something like that's going to find it tonight but so we go boating through there, and we're able to recover another one of the geese downriver from there. But we lost one, and we lost the cripple. Definitely unfortunate. Um, don't don't feel the best about that. It's kind of like bittersweet, you know. I go three for three. I, I shoot three times, knock down three yeah. geese. But then it's like, man, I got overzealous. Like got you know not used to that kind of situation, hunting the river with that swift current and not being able to yeah. retrieve them. It literally everything that could have gone wrong went wrong. You know, Chief's chasing the cripple instead of picking up the dead one that was right there. So we couldn't shoot the cripple. And the dead one's just floating away. The next goose that I go to pick up comes back to life. I don't have any ammo to finish it off and just pick it up because I could have just picked it up if I had a, a shell with me. I didn't have a shell. <clears throat> and so I literally, like, am, like, running away from it and, like, putting my like, hands over my ears. I'm like, Hunter, you know, finish this one off. Yeah. And so, um, and he was too far up the bank. And yeah, so it was just like a cluster and things got crazy oh, too man. fast. So What a bad, bad deal. 
I know, yeah. And then going boating through there. I mean, it literally, you're talking like adding on like two and a half hours worth of, you know, going back, going back to his house, going back to the boat launch, boating upstream. And then it was even further down from the boat launch. So then we had to go all the way back to the boat launch and work our way that way. And then get, you know, we find the one goose and get back there. So, I mean, we, we definitely went to our, you know, did our due diligence on searching for these geese, but it was just, man, you know, hindsight, we're talking about it. And he's like, man, we shouldn't have shot them. And I'm like, yeah, no, we just, we needed to shoot like one or two. And then chief would have been able to get, you know, the one and then work to the second one. But we just had geese like flying right over us. And when you get in those kind of situations, I'm just, I just shot the three shells I had and, and popped three geese. So, well, that's awesome. You guys put in that much effort to go and find those because I don't think a very high percentage of hunters would have gone to that amount of effort to find yeah. those birds. So well done on that one for sure. Yeah. I know Hunter felt bad about it. And I definitely, I'm like, man, I, we both keep our statistics and I'm like, my last birds for the year are four. And I just doubled it to oh. seven in one hunt, you know, almost doubled yeah. it for oh, the season. Man. So I'm like, man. And, and so we did find the one. So my lost birds is just, just, uh, just at adding one from that instead of adding two more. <laughs> so you have five or five or six? Five? I, have, I have five, uh, lost birds this season. Five, five out of almost uh, 50 hunts. Yeah. And that, I mean, out of 60, almost 70 birds, 69 birds, if you count the, the lost ones. So 69 hit birds, I lost five. That's not bad. That's not bad. No. Uh, It'd be yeah, nice to be zero, but. Yeah, the average on freelance hunt stats is about 0.3. So, um, I three out of every 10 hunts someone loses. That's per hunt, not per bird. So, three out of every 10. Most people <clears throat> lose one bird three out of every 10 hunts. Three birds. It'd be nice to have a, a stat for um, instead of per hunt, per, per bird. That would be. Yeah, that would be nice to have on there. That that's my favorite stat to track uh, <coughs> is that lost bird. I lost two this year, one goose, one duck, and my dad didn't lose any. Um, but she only shot thirty birds. But so I went one hundred and ten birds, two lost. So I was proud of that one. I was I was really yeah, proud of that one. That's a good number. And one of them was a stupid goose. We shot at Corn's Pond, and it was clear on the other side of the pond. We dropped like three, so the dogs. I've got the other two and it swam up the bank line. We just figured, Oh, we'll just walk up there and, and take care of that. You know, no problem. And then we went and walked over there. Just, I think it waddled out onto the waddled into the pasture or something, mm. hmm. but you know, so kinda, that's a fun catch track. Kind of circling back to that whole ordeal. Kind of, what do you do in those kind of situations? If you're hunting river with current, um, yeah. I mean, how many do you hunt that kind of situation very often? Um, I mean, the Kansas River has has good current to it, uh, but we always have our boat there. So um, I, it's been a long time since I've. Well, no, I'd say the last the last hunt, the hunt last year where we shot our limit of geese, we walked in and we ended up losing one or so because of the current and the water depth, and we didn't have a dog out there. I think just like you said, you just pre-plan it to okay. Here's what we need to do. Talk about it ahead of time. Here's the problems of how we might lose birds. Um, how, what are we going to do? How are we going to handle it? And just talk it out. So, you know, you guys had the talk. It was just after it happened. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And honestly, for me, that's kind of the first time being in that type of situation. And still, you know, I'm not 
necessarily, you know, I've hunted a lot, but when you get in certain parts of the season, you see different, different scenarios than what you're necessarily used to with ice and when Mm -hmm. hunting different spots where you're hunting in the current instead of some of these back channels where it's, you don't have to really worry about, you know, major current or anything like that. And one thing for chief, I mean, I think chief's even learning in these situations because he got that goose. And another reason it took him so long to get back to me is he literally just tried to come straight against the current and swam. He swam like that for a couple Mm -hmm. minutes. He's just like, I'm going to come back to you. And he's holding this goose. He's got a ton of drag from the the river pulling Mm -hmm. right against him. And he's not giving up. And eventually he figured out, oh, I'm I'm not going to be able to swim upstream. I'm going to have to swim over to shore, then run back up. Yeah, they learned that pretty quick um, to not just try to go straight against the current. Both Izzy and Candy at this point will know just to angle it and then come up on the bank. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I will say with, with dogs and, and rivers and ice and currents like that, when, when you don't have a boat, you've got to – anytime you have a dog with ice, you have to constantly be thinking about problems that your dog could get into, right? So, like the first time you were on out there, if, if your dog is running over a river on ice – and he breaks into a hole, um, breaks through a hole, and you can't get out to him, and he can't climb onto ice, which most dogs can't, he's going to die. You're going to sit there and watch him watch him die. Mm-hmm. So, in fact, we had that scenario almost take place. I ended up ruining I, Luckily, I had a little boat with me. Uh, my dad's dog fell through a hole um, on a pond, and it was ice all the way out to him, and I wasn't sure how deep it was, but I had... I had a little, a little boat and I was breaking. I, I was able to, so the dog was in the ice hole and couldn't get out. This is my dad's second dog. And we had this little tiny Carson's 10 foot or eight foot um, layout boat. And so I used that layout boat to break the ice all the way out to him. And luckily it wasn't over my head. If it had been over my head, um, I wouldn't have been able to get out there. I got out there, got water all the way down to my waders, ruined my phone because it ended up being, depth wise just above weight or weight or deep but if that's i mean if all that's over my head and that dog can't come out on the ice and you know or if we hadn't had that little boat to break the ice with that dog probably would have died in that situation so Mm -hmm. you have to be really really careful with ice and be thinking those things through as far as how what this what the scenarios are for your dog Gotcha. You don't want to sit there and watch your dog die. <laughs> no. I mean, I jumped in there before that. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, you don't want to die over your dog either. Um, yeah. You know, so you know, if your dog falls in an ice hole and then you're trying to save him and then you fall into an ice hole with current underneath, now you're in an even worse situation. So you just have to really be mindful of your dogs and ice and yourself and ice and, and those type of conditions because those, they can be scary. They can be, yeah. They can be real scary. Yeah, for sure. So that pretty much sums up um, my uh, hunt updates for the week. Definitely um, got into some geese, but we definitely had some trials and testing along the way. So, um, but like I said, we'll be scouting and hopefully hitting that same area. Uh, we bust out at a lot of birds when we walked in there this morning, but we didn't educate very many because uh, most of them were gone by the time we started firing shots because that was before light we walked in there yeah well that that little 
that little canoe you're getting would be perfect in those situations. I know when we have Aiden around, he has a tiny little kayak that's super light. And so typically when we walk into the river, we try to have his little kayak with us to drag in um, to those, those scenarios. Yeah. And we would have took our canoe with us today. So normally um, we can drive through the field, get a lot closer to the, to the river, but um, you know, having the canoe without about just carrying it, throwing all the gear in there, but it's just so heavy. Yeah. Um, that it's not really feasible, you know, it's, it's a struggle when it's mucky and slippery like that, just to pull a sled. Now you're talking about a sled that's, you know, almost no weight to a canoe that's, you know, mm-hmm. I don't know how much it weighs, 70, 80 pounds. Um, it just would have been nearly impossible. And then, like I said, when we can drive in there, we just drive down there and then you got to pull the canoe 150 yards through the trees and through the, you know, the brush to, yeah. to the river, or you take it when it's not frozen, we can get down to the Creek on the farm and then, you know, paddle into, uh, the river or when it's not frozen, which we didn't realize how thought out it was today at the time we can get in at the boat launch a couple miles downstream and, you know, come upstream to the spot. So, you know, all that kind of stuff we could have, I guess. Yeah. It could have been played out better, but we couldn't get the canoe down there. Unfortunately, but yeah, having yeah. something light like a smaller canoe or a kayak, yeah, definitely another tool for a situation like that. And do, do these rivers change? Do they raise and, and lower in, in depth quite a bit? Um, I, I mean, yeah, when it rains. And do you, do you guys do you monitor them? I'm, I guarantee there's a USGS. Yeah, um, there's all that kind of stuff for them. Do you keep track of that? Uh, not normally. I would say that that would make a big difference too. Cause if you're out in those rivers during the spring and everything, and you're walking around them, is it, what kind of bottom is it? Is it sand or it's, I mean, it's parts, there's some sand in there and then there's some muck, you know, the kind of like typical, okay. like willy, uh, not willy lily pad. Um, yeah. Bottom. So not, not like the Kansas river we were on where it's all sand. No, nothing like that yeah. at all. Well, it's I would not- say when you go, when you go out there in the spring, be watching those, those, um, the depth of the river and write it down so that, you know, cause the type of bottoms that you guys have, there probably aren't going to change that much compared to like the sand rolling down the river. And it changes yeah. as far as where the holes are. So if you figure that out during the spring is to, okay, at this, at this, um, water depth, um, or river depth, then I know this area is walkable or whatever, and keep those numbers charted down. It'll make it a lot easier when you start hunting, you'll have more confidence to, to know the depth a little more too. Yeah, definitely agree on that. So, well, I think that kind of wraps up our hunt update. Um, thanks everybody for tuning in for another week of hunt updates. Um, sadly, the hunt update series is going to have to come to an end here soon. I think we'll have another week of it here, um, pending my and Elliot's, uh, hunts here, um, tomorrow and this weekend. Uh, but you know, we'll bring it back for turkey season. So I'll be looking forward to that. And yeah, that's all we got for tonight. Appreciate you guys tuning in. Um, I'm Jordan, Duck Gun Chronicles, Elliot from Freelance Duck Hunting, and we'll see you guys next time.